When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. The following is a true story. I had a lady that was in her mid-70s, and I'd sold her timeshare, and that was the lowest I'd ever felt in my life. I knew then that I had to do something to simply not to go to hell for selling timeshare. Chuck McDowell founded Wesley Financial Group to help folks cancel their timeshares permanently. Called her and everybody that I'd sold timeshare to, and I said, this is what I said to you that was a lie, and this is what you need to do to cancel your timeshare. From that point, people started referring friends to me to help them cancel the timeshare, and that's how it all started. I fought the world's largest timeshare company in federal court. If I had lost that lawsuit, there would be no one helping people that have been lied to when they bought timeshare. If we take you as a client, we will cancel your timeshare or we'll give your money back. That's what makes us different. Call Wesley Financial Group now for a free information kit. 800-885-4884. That's 800-885-4884. 800-885-4884. This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on a Sunday evening. I am still in the great city of Chicago. Brendan is still in the much, much inferior city of Los Angeles, California, And as we are talking to you, the Boston Red Sox have a 3-1 lead over the loser Los Angeles Dodgers in the 2018 World Series. Perhaps by the time you are listening to this, uh, the Boston Red Sox will be the World Series champions or there will be a Game 6 in Boston on Tuesday night. Uh, You guys already know the answer to that as you're listening to this. We, of course, do not. But Brendan... We're about done with the off season. We are uh, going to, I think today, kind of try to touch on you know anything that's happened with the Cubs uh, since we last spoke, which is not much. I will start by saying a congratulations to the Almora family. They welcomed their second son to the world on Sunday morning. So congratulations to Albert and his wife, Crystal. A very uh, happy occasion for the Cubs center fielder. But other than that, I, I think we will try to get you in the mindset of the offseason. If, in fact, the Red Sox do win the World Series in between us recording this and you guys listening to and downloading this podcast, free agency will have started. And there can be deals and uh, everything signed and delivered starting, at, I think, as soon as that uh, final out is recorded. So we will try to kind of take a look at where the Cubs payroll is at, uh, who may be leaving the Cubs, joining the Cubs, and, you know, just kind of try to get ready to get into gear here with the off season. But Brendan, um, I'm going to welcome you into your own show here. Uh, well, how are you? you? I'm doing well, Corey. The Dodgers losing three to one. I'm not going to lie. I look, I know it's petty, but for them to be down three, one, it gives me a sense of happiness. I just can't explain it, but you know what? That's where I am. If they lose this World Series tonight, I'll be even in in a much better mood. That's where I am, Corey. Let's go Red Sox. Yes, uh, the Cubs-related podcast is nothing, Brendan, if not extremely petty, uh, especially when it comes <laughs> to the Los Angeles Dodgers. But, Brendan, 
I, I I'm I'm looking over my my notes here that I have prepared for the podcast. You and, prepared uh, notes, okay. It, it it's jumping out to me here, and you know this is just what I have written down uh-huh. uh, that the there has not been a three one lead in the World Series since. Uh, hold on, I'm looking at this 2016, uh, and that was actually overcome, and that that team ended up winning the World Series in seven games, and uh, that was apparently the 2016 Chicago Cubs who overcame Correct, a three yes. one deficit uh, against. The the Cleveland Indians to win game seven in Cleveland. So mm-hmm. yep. how about that? Uh, yeah, a little trivia that for us today. Yeah, 2016 World Series champions, uh, Chicago Cubs. People do forget that year. Wow. So how about that? Um, how about but, that? It, you know, I, I think as soon as the Red Sox won on Saturday night, which is a wild game, by the way, kind of reminiscent to uh, one of the games they played with the Astros last year where uh, the you know, the the score is just changing seemingly every five minutes. Uh, somebody has a 90% chance of winning the game, and that's thrown out the window. But it, it does, at least for a moment, uh, provide us an opportunity to remember when the Cubs did, in fact, throw John Lester, Jake Arrieta, and Kyle Hendricks in three straight mm-hmm. games. Uh, they won them all, and they won the World Series. So I, I think any time a team is facing that deficit, it's always fun and uh, a nice little thing i think for us it's a nice to reminder. be able to yeah especially to read through you know some of the replies to either the dodgers tweets or the red sox tweets or, or in you know their subreddits which are always fun to read in high intensity games like this um you know you have overconfidence and underconfidence and the like in both, uh, you know, and I think it's always just fun to read when Dodger fans are down and out about being 3-1 and thinking, yeah, you know, what kind of team could overcome a 3-1 deficit? You're right. I I wouldn't know, would I? (laughs) Yeah. I remember last time uh, when the Cubs were in that 3-1 hole, I'm not going to lie, I felt like complete garbage. Um, So I hope all these Dodger fans are feeling the exact same way. Look, it's a little bit different. If the Dodgers do come back, I would be shocked. Um, But this is is where they are, likely going to lose back-to-back World Series. And again, I know it's petty. I really know it's petty. But you kind of have to experience it to get into our mindsets, Corey and our mindset here. Like this is this is exceptional. Back to back World Series losses potentially would be just phenomenal. I hate to say it, but it would. Yeah, it would be a uh, chef kiss scenario uh, indeed. Yes. Uh, you know, and I, I see it too when you have you know Cub fans mouthing off or whatever uh, and. MLB tweets or whatever, uh, you know, you always get the, uh, well, when do the Cubs play tonight or the, you know, the Dodgers got further than the Cubs. <laughs> it's like you did, but I'll tell you something. Anthony Rizzo is at home uh, right now or maybe on a, a wonderful, deserved vacation. And he's thinking to himself, you know what? I got to the World Series once and I won it. I didn't choke it away. Not once, but and twice. And he's going to kiss that ring goodnight. I'm wearing my World Series championship hat out in Los Angeles. I don't see any World Series championship hats by the Dodger fans. I only see those World Series hats. And that's the highest they can go. Yeah, don't worry, guys. We'll just delete this episode if the Dodgers do come back, so it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) We're just going to have our fun now. But, yeah, flags fly forever, Brendan. Uh, I could walk past Wrigley Field now. I don't know if they take it down in the offseason. The weather is pretty bad. But I assume that the 2016 championship banner uh, is still there, and that is uh, something that nobody can take away from us. But, anyway, enough of our... uh, Dodger hate and uh, me pretending that I don't remember the Cubs <laughs> overcame a three-one deficit. But so, Brendan, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this to you. I, I think yeah. to to start off because uh, I, I think you have a better handle on the Cubs payroll situation than I do, and. Basically, just if you can maybe set the stage for us, because again, as soon as the World Series ends, we kind of kick into gear here. And I, I think he may have been joking, uh, but Scott Boris, who is Bryce Harper's agent, was on, I believe, uh, with New York media this afternoon. And again, he may have been joking or you know trying to get a laugh. And when someone who is like Scott Boris tries to make a joke, it you know, typically goes over most people's heads because he's not funny. Uh, But he said that 
Bryce knows where he wants to go. They're they're ready as soon as they can to make a decision. He already has it kind of picked out where he would like to be playing baseball. Um, so again, I don't know if he was serious or that was said in jest to get a laugh. But either way, it does illustrate that if this World Series ends, things can kick into gear pretty quickly here, Brendan. So where are we with the Cubs and, and how may the payroll affect their pursuit of the two prized free agents here in Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. Really, this is kind of going under the radar, I think, where the Cubs stand in terms of the 2019 payroll. And Bleacher Nation actually spelled this out pretty well. So if the Cubs were to just not make any moves in the offseason, which we know they're going to make moves, but let's assume they don't. Right now, the 2019 luxury tax is set up at $206 million, okay? And given the Cubs don't make any moves, they're projected around 205 to $210 million. So in essence, what I'm saying is if they don't make any moves, they're probably going to be already above that luxury tax threshold. Now, there's also two other thresholds. The first one is at $226 million. If the Cubs go above $226 million, they're going to pay a little bit more of an expensive fee. And what that means is, really, there's a difference between $226 million and $206 million. And it's in terms of about 10 percentage points in how much they pay over it. Not that significant, in my opinion. The most significant threshold is $246 million. This is why. If they go above that $246 million mark... They have to lose 10 draft slots in the next year's draft. So if they were to draft, for example, 26th overall, they're going to push be pushed back to the uh, 36th overall. So that may prohibit some of the moves the Cubs may want to make. So, for example, if they go out and get Bryce Harper, they're probably going to be at around $240 million. And so they're pushing that upper tax threshold. But you know what? Tom Ricketts, Theo, they may be like, you know what, let's get Harper, let's figure out the consequences later, and if they lose 10 draft spots um, in, in the order, then so be it. And they would lose a, their their first round draft pick by signing Harper as well, or Machado, or any of these guys who turned down those qualifying offers. So that's that's where they are, Corey. Really, the meat of this is that they are probably already over the luxury tax next year. And even if they move Addison Russell, who probably only will make around four to five million in that arbitration, even if they don't non-tender him, they're still going to be close to being over it. So what does that mean? Again, if you want Manny Machado, if you want Bryce Harper, if you even want to pick up Cole Hamill's option, you may be facing serious consequences in the draft, and you're going to be facing consequences in how much money you pay over that. So if they spend $211 million, as Bleacher Nation wrote out, they're really spending $212 million because of that 20% tax threshold. It goes up to 32% with 226 and then 33% with 246 So there's money in draft pick consequences, but it's not the end of the world because they did not go over the 2018 threshold. So they don't face more consequences. So they could do this. I think really this offseason right now, it's so early. I have no idea where they're going to go with this. But because they are so close to all these th- uh, all these thresholds, they may be like, you know what, forget it. We'll deal with it. We're already above over it. So we might as well just go out and get these guys. And it's possible they do that. Yeah. So that is a little bit of the lay of the land. I have read, you know, some thoughts with Tom Ricketts and stuff, but he, you know, typically doesn't give an overt answer as to because uh, i don't think he really knows either like i like i think that's why I, I know theo has so much flexibility over what he can and can't do and i don't know if they've even thought about the right direction to go to this offseason because it's still so early you know right and and i think that typically what we've seen from this front office ricketts included in the past is they seem to get together and what if Theo says, this is what we need to do, here's why, and here's what I expect to happen, I'm not saying Ricketts is backing up a dump truck full of money to uh, Clark and Addison and just saying, here you go, Theo, do what you got to do. 
But right. the the impression that I have, at least from everything we've seen as far as the two of them talking about their relationship and just how, how this all works, is if Theo says, you know, we, we have to go over a little bit, we have to sign this guy, here's the plan, here's how he fits, here's the direction we're going, I, I think that Ricketts has shown that he'll be supportive uh, to what the baseball operations department determines that they need uh, to ultimately continue winning championships. I, I think that Ricketts has made that very clear that he is an owner who wants to do what he can to support his team and his staff in the goal of winning championships and continuing to drive, uh, you know, for his sake, obviously the, the bottom line for the Cubs, which is to put competitive playoff championship teams on the field continue packing uh people like us into Wrigley Field and you know people like me renewing their season tickets and you know the best way to do that is to win championships and and keep everybody uh sort of foaming at the mouth for Cubs baseball and and uh trying to get that ring again so and they, and they have that TV deal coming in too soon so the Cubs will right. likely be starting their new Cubs TV network it's the equivalent of uh what is it the Yes network in New York right or right. Nesson in in Boston so there's an added uh flow of revenue that could really supplement what they already make and and actually permit them to go after Manny Machado or Bryce Harper and deal with the luxury tax consequences in subsequent years. And I just want to point out too, I, I did emphasize it before, but like teams like the Dodgers and the Yankees, they they're they're multiple offenders of the luxury tax. So they pay basically fifty percent higher in consequences because they're multiple offenders. The Cubs didn't do that last year. So they have this this pillow, so to speak. So they can afford next year paying these guys. And then uh, players like Zobris will be off the books and they can move around some other pieces and make it work. So in my mind, if we're going to reduce it down to, hey, can the Cubs make this work? Can they go out and get these these high profile guys? I think they can. I really do. I think they can get creative with this, this, this 2019 uh, payroll. And then 2020, they can move over some guys and they get Zobris off the books and and other guys off the books, Pedro Strope, unfortunately, might be off the books by 2020. They can make it work, and it wouldn't be that much of a consequence. Um, but if you want to get like a high leverage reliever plus Bryce Harper, you're going to have to get more creative than that. Yeah, and I think it's always, you know, somewhat of. I don't. I don't necessarily want to say a fool's errand, but I, I just always like to remember that you know, at the end of the day, Ricketts. It's his money. So, you know, I know that uh, a lot of times you'll see people suggest, you know, just spend it all, blah, blah, blah. And it's like that that's how I feel. They, they've raised, you know, me personally, they've raised my ticket prices uh, for my seats, I think, the last two seasons. So in my opinion— How much did I, they know, raise it, by the way, if you don't mind me asking, just out of curiosity? It, I don't think, has been that much. Like, what, like 5%, uh, it hasn't been, 10%? Honestly, I don't remember. It, yeah. It's not— it hasn't been res- prohibitive to me doing it, uh, and when I know what World Series tickets cost, if I pay for the whole season, it's uh, still worth it to me. But you know, so obviously, I'm just someone who's thinking like, yeah, you better spend all that money. Like, I'm giving you a bunch of money. I don't want to hear you, you know, talking about oh, we don't want to pay this penalty or we don't want to pay this tax. <laughs> like, that better not be what happens. But at the same time. It's not my money, and if Ricketts doesn't want to do it, he's not going to do it. The Cubs are typically at the top of the payroll uh, pyramid for MLB teams, not number one, but they're usually in the mix. And if that's where you know Ricketts and the family want to sit with things, then that's what they're going to do. And there's not really uh, much we can do about that. And and complaining about uh, ticket prices or you know the eleven dollar beers, whatever it is, doesn't matter. So I, I always just you know, sort of caution these conversations with that, that, you know, us thinking it's ridiculous that Ricketts, you know, cares about that penalty when he's raking in all this money and they're about to start this TV deal. It's like, yeah, that makes sense, but it ultimately doesn't matter. But at the same time, again, I do think that Ricketts has shown and a lot of his comments seem to suggest that he's going to do within reason what he and the the front office, uh, you know, agree to and and their strategy for how to continue winning and putting competitive teams on the field. So I think if I I guess that's all to say that if I was 
a betting man, I would say that money and you know a penalty here or a penalty there is, is not going to stop this team from putting together the roster that they want. Yeah, and like I said too, it's it's significant that they did not go over the previous year, so they have more flexibility. I think in terms of how much money they can spend because they're not paying any type of consequences. But you know what? Let's say they increase ticket prices next year. You can still get pretty good price tickets through SeatGeek because getting tickets online can be far too complicated with hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability. It's hard to know who to trust. That's why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have SeatGeek on my phone. I like. I'm trying to get basketball tickets for the Lakers games. You know, being in Los Angeles, I can get them through SeatGeek. They're the cheapest outlet to go to. They filter every single other outlet, so I know for sure I'm getting the best deal possible. Best of all, our listeners, you guys, you get twenty dollars off your first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app. Enter promo code Cubs related today at checkout. That's promo code Cubs related for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. So, yeah, that's Corey, that's, that's where I'm at. I think if you're listening and worried about, hey, can the Cubs go out and afford these guys? I wouldn't worry too much if there's holes in this team. The Cubs have the revenue funds to get this done. If Harper is deemed necessary, I think they're going to get it done. And if uh, even if Cole Hamels and Harper is desired or deemed necessary, they can figure out ways to get this done. And that's the benefit of having this new TV deal and having guys like Anthony Rizzo, for example, is only costing under like barely under $6 million against the luxury tax threshold. That's an incredible deal. And if they do decide to non-tender Addison Russell, that's an extra $6 million cleared up. So they can figure out ways, they can get creative, Point being, if they want Harper, I think they can still do it. Somewhat along those lines, uh, a good time to point out that the Cubs do have three Gold Glove nominees uh, amongst their players. Uh, The usual suspects, perhaps, uh, in Jason Hayward, uh, I believe gunning for his sixth Gold Glove. Anthony Rizzo gunning for his second. And Javi Baez finally gets one at second base. Uh, previously, that had been you know something he had been striving for, but he did not have a set position, so typically costing him uh, any chance at that. I don't care about the gold glove, Brendan, but I bring that up because <laughs> I, I think the nomination, but definitely if he wins it, that does affect how much Javi Baez uh, would be getting in an arbitration hearing. So obviously that does relate to uh, the discussion that we're having. And of course, just wanted yeah. to point out that those guys in the running for those awards uh, always like to highlight that with our guys getting recognized for that. So I, I do want to look yeah. at the list of just some other, uh, the, the main names you're looking at uh, that, that we saw this past year of guys uh, who are free agents. Uh, that would be Daniel Murphy. He made $17.5 million in 2018. Justin Wilson, he made $4.25 million. Jesse Chavez made $1.5 million. Uh, Bobby Wilson, who was a catcher they acquired, we did not see him. Uh, he made half a million dollars. Anthony Bass, half a million. And Jaime Garcia, also half a million. We've obviously talked a good bit about the option that the Cubs have to pick up on Cole Hamels, but that is generally uh, where we are sitting. And I think we've talked a good bit in the past uh, about the qualifying offer that you can put out to these players, uh, which nets either the player can accept uh, a one-year deal. This year, I believe that number is $17.9 million. Uh, If they decline, you get a draft pick if they sign with another team. So, I am. I'm assuming on this list, Brendan, that nobody is going to be uh, getting a qualifying offer from the Chicago Cubs. Are, are you in agreement there, or am I missing something? Yeah, no. There's going to be no qualifying offers given for the Cubs, so they're not going to get any draft pick compensation. So, like for example, when uh, Dexter Fowler was signed, and even when Arietta was signed, the Cubs got compensation for it, and. 
you may see the fruits of that in the next year or two. For example, like even in this this recent draft in 2018, they were able to supplement a lot of their guys with high school bats because they had those compensation picks. Um, and, and they're pretty good bats too, like Cody Roeder, for example. You can look them up on YouTube. Pretty good bat. And that's because they were able to have Arietta say, see ya, to the qualifying offer, and they were able to get these picks. But unfortunately this year, not going to happen. Um, so I, I, I think ultimately, again, like I said, if you're worried about the Cubs' draft pick system or any of this, um, they still have guys in the lower levels of the system who are playing well, who could actually be promoted this upcoming season. And even if they go out and get like Bryce Harper and they lose 10 draft slots in their draft, they're probably going to be okay. I, I, the, the lower level of the system right now, there's a lot of interesting guys. We can talk about Nico Horner, can talk about Brilliant Marquez, can talk about Ramos Aidman, Oscar De La Cruz. There's a lot of guys, and I think you're going to see them kind of be promoted this year, and Theo Epstein himself even said that. Yes, and I think we'll talk about Nico in a second. He's been doing uh, some good work in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, certainly, I think, satiating Cubs fans a bit with the lack of October it's baseball, but always nice to see. Yeah, another young middle infield prospect uh, doing things on a stage like that. So, but before before we we move on from the the, the kind of payroll and free agency talk, I, I think we talked about this a little bit in the past. But as we're you know really maybe going to kick this into gear here, at, you know at at the latest probably Wednesday or Thursday when this uh, World mm. Series has to conclude. Other than Jesse Chavez, anybody on that list you are interested in bringing back? Um, or is that it? I'm assuming Jesse Chavez, by the way, you could say that too. I I like Jesse Chavez. It it all depends on the money. It's hard to figure out what these guys want. I think also having Cole Hamels back would be nice. And I think I speak for everyone saying that we were pretty impressed with what he did. The $20 million option that they would have to pick up might be, complicate things uh there were reports that maybe the cubs would maybe decline that option and instead just offer him like a two-year deal that way you get the annual average value under 20 million for next year and maybe it could be like 12 million if they decide to do a two-year uh 24 million dollar deal you know you know what i'm getting at but ultimately like i'm not going to be upset if justin wilson's not back i think daniel murphy I'm disgusted by his defense, the way his bat kind of deteriorated and his age and the injury history. I don't see him settling for anything under six million, so I doubt Daniel Murphy's back. I think we would be all you know all okay with that. Um so yeah, I, I think Chavez coming back at a decent value would be nice to shore up that bullpen. But I don't know if I'm comfortable giving Cole Hamels $20 million if that's going to prohibit some of the other deals. But it depends on what these guys want, right, and how this offseason shapes up in the first few weeks. I think, like, we never thought Yu Darvish would be signed by the Cubs, but the way the offseason progressed, that was a scenario the Cubs couldn't turn down, the way the market just developed. They got Yu Darvish for $40 million under market value at the start of the offseason. So it's hard to say. But if I had to bet on this, I would bet... Wilson's not coming back. Murphy's not going to come back. I think Cole Hamill's option gets declined. The Cubs maybe resign it for a two-year deal. They get that AAV under $20 million, and that gives them uh, access to give maybe someone like Harper or someone like Machado. Yeah, I, I think uh, we're in agreement there. I, I definitely a hard no on Daniel Murphy. And... You know, I I think if they had the option to keep Justin Wilson uh, for I'm cheap, done with I, Wilson, man. I, I, I wouldn't <laughs> necessarily hate it, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm more than comfortable not seeing him come out of the bullpen anymore. It was yeah. he, he's just kind of one of those guys that gets uh, it's a little bit of a strain to watch Justin Wilson. I think it's just it gives me too much anxiety. I'm kind of like I'm over it, right? Like we had this for almost a year and a half now, like. I it's just it's no matter what the situation is, even if Wilson has like two months of consistency, I'm still going to be anxious when he goes on the mound. So just this this goodbye. I'm not. I don't want Justin Wilson back. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, 
All right, so let's move to the aforementioned uh, Nico Horner. Yeah. And he has been in the Arizona Fall League. He's played 12 games so far, uh, hitting 373 with one home run, eight RBIs, and an 890 OPS. Uh, and I think, you know, he typically in in when he was drafted in a lot of those videos and the scouting reports, a lot focused on his defense. He's a very smooth agile athletic shortstop uh middle infielder i think he's got some time at second base uh throughout his his short professional career so he's an exciting guy and you know anytime you have a a guy straight out of the draft head to the arizona fall league and uh put up impressive numbers uh it's you know i think gonna gonna catch some attention and you know this obviously is not something where you know he's gonna be involved in the major league team next year but you know as again as we were talking about you know where we are with the payroll and free agency and everything it's always nice to just have new names kind of turning up and uh rising in those ranks and again just getting attention so uh brendan i don't know if you've had a chance to check out any of these uh AFL performances, but I know you are a middle infield man. Uh, so any thoughts so far on what you're seeing uh, from the first round draft pick? Well, my first thought is one, he has an extremely advanced approach at the plate. This is a guy who doesn't really strike out that much. He may have sacrificed power in college to not strike out. But what we've seen so far, he's still slugging, and that's encouraging. The athleticism from Nico Horner is off the charts, by the way. So Fangraphs rates his defense on a, they usually use a 20 to 80 scale. 50 is average, 60 is like 15% better uh, better than league average, etc. So they grade his defense as potentially major league average value. So Nothing special, nothing terrible, just right at the average, which is fine. But we know these guys develop, and I've watched Nico play a few times. I'm impressed by his athleticism. What jumps out to me the most of any trait is his speed. So Fangraphs rates his speed as a 70 out of 80, which means most most of these scouts think he's going to be better than 95% of Major League runners Um, in terms of just pure speed, which is good. The last trait that I see in Nico Horner, and it reminded me of what Theo said when he was talking about hitting. And like Almora, Nico kind of lets the ball get deep. So if you watch all these AFL videos on YouTube, um, in particular by Baseball Census, which they've put out about four videos now of every pitch that Nico Horner has seen, you can see from like a profile point of view, he's letting the ball get deep. And what that might do is just limit the extra base hits, which is fine. But some guys need to hit like that. Like Almora needs to hit like that. Unfortunately, you sacrifice power, but that's who he is. And if you remember David Bodie, he changed his point of contact where he let the ball get out front a little bit more. And that allowed him to hit the ball in the air more, get more extra base hits. But ultimately, like... If Nico can be a league average defender, his hit tool, I think, is so advanced right now. And depending on how he finishes his AFL, there are reports that he may even start the year next year in AA in Tennessee, which is incredible, guys. That if he were to start in AA in Tennessee and succeed, it would not be out of the realm of possibility the Cubs see him in like August or September of next season, guys. Probably not likely. The most likely scenario is he starts off in high A and he finishes in double A next season. But you know what? If the Cubs want to push him a little bit here and get him going, it would not shock me if he gets so advanced that he's knocking on the door next season, which would be with 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 Addison Russell's situation, with the middle infield potential hole, would be a huge welcome for the Cubs. Yeah, and I and I do want to read uh, a quote from him that he gave to milb.com. Just I, I think I, I I one of the things I end up doing a lot on, on this podcast is reading quotes when I I like the the mental 
state of of the person giving it. I, I think the the Ian Happ quote about being as versatile as possible is one that I reference all the time. But I just like this quote yeah. from him, and it I think it's just reflective of a good mindset. Uh, for a young player to have. Uh, Horner missed time. It was shut down earlier uh, in the year with an elbow injury, uh, but obviously able to be back for the Arizona Fall League. And he said this, I've never been hurt before, but I think it could almost end up being a good thing in that I'm able to have this experience here in the Fall League now. So while it stinks to miss out on the couple hundred at-bats this summer, making them up with maybe a hundred at-bats here in the Fall League against better pitching is going to really, really benefit me in the long run. Like the yeah. mindset. I just think, you know, anytime you hear young players uh, being able to focus on the positives and, and you know, be committed to long-term growth and how they can uh, help themselves and help this organization, uh, I think it's always just good to hear. And, you know, again, obviously the performance uh, has matched to this point in the Arizona Fall League. So it's just, uh, it's, it's you know, again, without Cubs baseball here in October, uh, it's a nice little thing to be able to focus on for just a second. But, yeah. Brendan, I do and think Corey, it too, illustrates... One last- yeah, yeah one last stop before, one last stop before we move on here too. Like the track record that Theo Epstein has with drafting college bats in the first round or the first two rounds is insane, guys. Let me give you examples here. One, Dustin Pedroia, two, uh, and or he didn't do Andrew Benedetti, but even guys like Ian Happ, Kyle Schwarber, Chris Bryant. These are college bats, and Alberto Mora was a high school bat. And the 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 able the way he's able to translate these guys from college to immediate major league value is incredibly impressive here. And they do it at a fast pace. Like I think even I was surprised when Kyle Schwarber made his major league debut as fast as he did. Right, like he was drafted in the 2014 draft. He made his debut basically one year later, guys. Think about that. Like, he made his debut in Cincinnati almost, what is it, 13 months after the day he was drafted? That's insane. So if we're going to go on that timeline here, Nico Horner, and maybe this won't happen, but come July of next year, that will be a year to this day that he would have been drafted. And I'm not saying that's a likely scenario. I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. And um, the one thing, again, in, in addition to his speed, the reason I think Nico Horner has a high likelihood of transitioning to value in the major league level is the contact he has. He only strikes out at like a sub 15% rate. So if you're going to compare that to someone, that would be like Starlin Castro level of not striking out. Some guys who just make exceptional contact or high contact guys like even Tommy Lastella. Um, and those types of players. But at the same time, if Nico Horner can increase his power, which he's done since being a Cub, that's insanely valuable as a 21, 22-year-old soon-to-be. So don't don't throw Nico Horner underneath the rug, so to speak, in terms of his value in 2019. In eight months, nine months, I'm not going to be surprised if we're doing this podcast again and be like, hey, Nico Horner has a strong chance of being called up. That wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. Yeah, so I, the one thing, and I'm glad I remembered this. I've been forgetting this for the last few episodes, but but talking about a young middle infielder, um, it it reminded me of of a discussion that that does need to happen, Brendan. And I I'm not going to put a time limit on you, but I think the, the listeners of this podcast know uh, that I am a John Lester man. Uh, <laughs> I am the self-proclaimed leader of the John Lester fan club. Uh, that is my brand. That is uh, a gimmick, but one that I live. And I think in the past, we've all known you uh, as an Addison <laughs> Russell man. And yeah. for a variety of reasons, uh, I don't think that that is going to be the case anymore. Uh, so again, I, I don't want to yeah. put a time limit on you, but I, I think we need a clearer idea of who is Brendan's favorite cub. Uh, you know, so I think <laughs> perhaps you can take the the off season if you need it. Uh, you know, there obviously may be some changes here. You know, we don't want to get you locked into uh, someone that maybe traded or something like that. 
but I, I just think, you know, we, we need a clear direction here. You need to lead the people um, who follow you blindly into, uh, you know, which player they should be supporting more than any other. Before you say anything, you yeah. cannot also choose John Lester. Uh, that is not something that is allowed. No, and I, um, and I, I wouldn't do that to you, Corey. I right. am always a middle infield man, like you said. This dates back to, you know, even guys like Mark Grudzelanek, for example. I loved Mark Grudzelanek. You can I, stop there. I know where you're headed. Please, do, <laughs> please don't go any further naming old middle no. infielders on the Cubs. All right. Things. You know, I'm going to do you a favor here. I'm not going to do it. But there were some middle infielders in the late 2000s that were fun to watch. Let's put it that way. But when Addison Russell got called up, I think everyone involved knew, like, hey, this is an extremely talented guy. And the reason I liked Addison Russell was because he had that 30-homer potential with gold glove defense. That's something you never see. Uh, as it stands right now, like, I don't see any of those guys on the Cubs' prospect radar. The only guy we have right now, which I say only, not in jest, but like Javi Baez is probably going to be that guy, right? 30 homers maybe gold glove defensive uh, value at shortstop. We just don't know yet. But in terms of a prospect, I don't know if I have that right now. I've been talking a lot about Jonathan Sierra, um, who finished last season at Class A ball, but like I don't find myself looking at any of these guys thinking, oh, he's like going to replace Addison. But if Nico can come up next year, you know maybe that that is the case. Just, you got to give me an offseason here, Coria. It's well, so it was, so it was the, kind of yeah. Go ahead. I'm just curious. So you can you feel comfortable going? You know, potentially un, un, until he's in the majors without a marquee favorite player. Yeah. That's okay though. We'll, we'll so we'll I'll just assume it's Jose Quintana and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> well, okay. So here's here's when when the Cubs got Addison Russell from the A's. I I already appreciated Addison Russell's baseball the prospectus, so to speak. So when the Cubs got him, like I was, I was pretty thrilled. So it's just one of those things. I tend to gravitate towards a younger. You uh, play the long game. prospects. I play the long game here, so I'm not like I love Javi. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like I ride and die with these guys. I have to ride with them when they're early in their in their careers and. I did Brendan that only does that so that he can look back and say, well, I liked him before you even know who it was. Of course. Of course. I like yeah. to have that contrarian spirit. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think right now if we're going to have to give one player the lead, it might be Nico Horner. Again, shortstops, that's what I gravitate towards, too. Um, granted, like, I'm not super – like, I'm impressed by his defense, but I'm not blown away by his defense. I think you look at guys like Francisco Lindor – you look at guys, um, you know, like Andrew Elton Simmons and Addison Russell, you know right away, hey, these guys are special guys. I don't know if I get that from Nico yet. I know, he, like, Fangrass raced him as league average, but he could improve. And, again, his, his athleticism is off the charts. I wouldn't be surprised if he does improve. And he kind of has that uh, that athletic build, kind of like an uh, Alex uh, Bregman, so to speak. So, yeah, we're going to give, we're gonna give the, the head to Nico Horner for now, but... Give me a few more months to digest this. Come on, it's been so it's so fresh with the Addison Russell stuff. You got to give me more time. I, I yeah, I said I didn't want to impose a time limit on you. I just think uh, I know. am thinking about it though. All right, yeah, you know, and and hey, maybe if uh, you know you have a favorite player out there that you'd like Brendan to be championing every episode on this podcast and on social media, I'm taking maybe suggestions. Maybe shoot over a resume. You know what? Why, yeah. why you think? Uh, you know, Ben Zobris should be Brendan's favorite player or uh, Steve Ciszek. That seems weird, like a weird Brendan <laughs> thing to gravitate towards, right? You can't go the obvious. Brendan's never going to pick someone like Rizzo. It's it's too obvious. Uh, he's got to be, you know, quirky in in, in a way. So, well, it's got to be, uh, be a middle infielder. Again, I've always liked middle infielder. I think the only player whom, like, I – never really like because he was a middle infielder was mark Pryor. i loved mark Pryor when i was a kid but outside of him like yeah i liked middle so infielders you're, so you're Sorry. saying that mike freeman has a chance i'm gonna like hang up on you right now that you even just said that i i, I tried so hard not to mention ryan terry or mike fontenot and you just <laughs> you just go straight to mike freeman that's a crime that you did that Corey. oh man shame there on are you. a lot of uh 
there are a lot of taboos that that buzzer is being uh relentlessly slapped right now <laughs> there's just a lot of names flying around that are typically not Terrible. allowed on these airwaves Terrible. but but all right, I'll, be, I'll, but, I'll be I'll be taking I'll be taking suggestions through. Let's put it this way: through the through the new year, so through the holiday season. And by the way, guys, this holiday season, how about giving your wife or girlfriend something totally different, something romantic that celebrates the unique connection between you and her? I'm talking about a luxury gift service called Enclosed that delivers designer lingerie to your lady month after month. Enclosed is like a flower of the month or a beer of the month, but instead of flowers, she gets surprised with ultra high end lingerie and this is serious high-end stuff the kind of quality that will really impress your lady right now you can join more than thirty thousand couples that love enclosed and i'll give you a little gift too right now you can get twenty dollars off your enclosed gift just go to enclosedlingerie.com enter the code cubs related at checkout to get twenty dollars off any enclosed gift why not give your wife something that really reflects and deepens the connection between the two of you? Something that would never give your mother. That's enclosedlingerie.com with code Cubs related for $20 off the best gift ever. So yeah, that's where I am. I never buy Cubs player jerseys. I'm not like that, but I do have a Joe Madden jersey. The only player jerseys I have are, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say it, is Ryan Sandberg, and I, I am kind of ashamed to say it, actually, and Ryan Terrio. So the next middle infielder, maybe that's Nico Horner, Corey. I, I got to tell you, Brendan, I mean, really, like, you only <laughs> owning a Sandberg jersey and a Terrio jersey is well, the most Brendan thing I have ever heard. Who buys a Ryan Terrio jersey? What is wrong with you? And this is the point where Brendan says, he had an above average WRC plus that year. What you, nobody cares. 3.8 war, Corey. 3.8. If you look Man. back to 1945, 1945, do it right now, 1945, Ryan Terrio is a top five cup shortstop. Top five. I can't believe this is happening. This is such a forbidden topic. This is you guys. this is what Brendan you get when knows. the Cubs get eliminated in the first week of October. You get a late October podcast with me ranting about Ontario. <laughs> I'm sorry. Brendan knows that this topic is strictly forbidden, and we're gonna, <laughs> you're the one uh, you know, who it might, brought up Mike Freeman. <laughs> it might you get. it might come to blows on the, on the after show here. Yeah, <laughs> maybe we'll set up a VIP line. Uh, you know, if you guys support us Explicit on Patreon or something, content. you can hear Brendan and I swear at each other afterwards but i am going to now i'm going to change course a little bit and i'm going to say that not only as as the the the, you know the lead member are you not able to just choose john lester but we're going to make you an enemy of the group now actually you you can come on be over with with ryan terrio and uh support things like that uh that that is not (laughs) for us okay so um anyway uh, i am glad that we I, I did want to get that out there, though, just because uh, you have been so, you know, it, it, it was, you know, Corey's John Lester guy, Brendan Z. Addison Russell guy, and we got to change that. So, uh, you know, there there is no rush on that. Uh, but, you know, we need, a, we need a player to kind of, you know, link on to you and, and to... Uh, Kind of, you know, when they're when they're doing big things, we can kind of go, oh, Brendan, that's your guy. You know, we need that. So uh, I just wanted to make sure you can't force uh, love, though, Corey. Up. You can't force love. It's just no, something that's you true. notice at first sight. You know, so Brendan we'll loves see. all the Cubs equally. Right now, I do, but we'll see what Except happens. Except for Jose Quintana. <laughs> <laughs> Except for Jose Quintana. Well, hold on. Like, I actually don't mind Q. It's just His one of those things. The most. What's that? His starts frustrate you the most from a casual observer that talks to you all the time. They they do sort of frustrate me. It's just I never like two pitch pitchers. Like the reason I like John Lester so much, he has five pitches. We can get into this now if you want, but like I'm never gonna like a two pitch pitcher. Like I never like Chris Archer. I never like Tyson Ross. I like I like Jose Quintana, but you, you know what you know what I'm getting with this. I just like diverse pitchers and john lester to your credit core you picked a winner right there you picked a winner in john lester the attitude the five pitches oh he picked the me, history Brendan. well let's not go that far Corey. well no i no, i i mean that it's it's kind of like uh when you you pick up a puppy or something like that it's like I, I, there was no choice on my end the, the what he was doing out there and and uh just who he is it's uh, you know it's yeah it's like when you you know if you go to a 
adopt a puppy and you meet a bunch of them, but one of them just catches your heart, Brendan, and that's what uh, John Lester did. So what was I a didn't really have a choice in the matter. What was a moment that put you over your love for John Lester? Was it vivid or was it just kind of like a gradual progression that led to this point? I think it was a gradual thing. I'm not sure if there was a moment because I think I remember in in earlier podcasts, probably probably the the first several episodes, um, I had said like, you know, I think he's kind of pushing himself to Mark T- Pryor territory because it was always Mark yeah. Pryor. That was like and, what, the first week of September or uh, of 2017, I believe. Like that was early on in 2017. I feel like. I think it was Maybe probably even 2016. before that. Yeah, it was probably 2016. But yeah. I, he just, yeah, because, I mean, it definitely would have been cemented the night he laid that bunt down and gets Hayward home uh, against right. the Mariners in that crazy game. I mean, if it wasn't cemented then, I don't know when it is. But yeah, it was it was before 2017 because you got that John Lester jersey. So it must have been like even the first week of maybe even 2016 before we even were doing this podcast religiously. Yeah. And I and really what it was is and I, the, the main thing that I remember is, you know, obviously he was a very good pitcher. That was not news to anybody. But yeah. I just loved his attitude out there. I still do, obviously. But I just the way that, you know, he throws, he tries to catch the edge. With, uh, you know, his fastball doesn't get a call from the umpire and he's staring him down. He's screaming to himself, you know, blowing the snot rockets all over the place. I just, I don't know. It's, uh, some, I could, something, it's hard to explain, I guess, but it's just you something I gravitated towards. That, and that's, that's what gets you. I could just feel him pushing Blowing up against Pryor. And there's obviously just been enough moments in the last, uh, four years since he's been a part of the Cubs that, you know, I think just, just push it over that, you know, and it's, uh, I think a good part of it. And, you know, part of this is what I said when we discussed, uh, the number 34 situation as it relates also to Kerry Wood. Uh, but Mark Pryor was my favorite player for a long time. My favorite player as a kid. Uh, and I often wondered, you know, who would really come close to that, to, to, to catching my attention like that. Um, but, you know, when you have someone like Lester going out there and putting up in the postseason as frequently as he has, it's, you know, I think pretty easy for them to jump those guys. It's no offense to uh, Pryor and Wood. I love those guys. They were a part of, uh, you know, kind of why I'm a Cubs fan in the first place. But, you it's know, hard you get a guy in the playoffs in every year and he's... Too you know, going out there and shoving in the World Series. And, you know, I just think it, it it's hard not to kind of that's, I, I think, obviously what pushes it over the edge. It is a good point. Uh, I You know, I, I did want to, I was looking at um, some stats just between uh, the, the man taking the mound for the Dodgers in about 15 minutes here as we're still recording this on Sunday night, Clayton Kershaw. Um, it's just, you know, fun if you want to go and play around and look at John Lester's numbers in the playoffs and Clayton Kershaw's in the playoffs. Uh, one of them is lights out and about, uh, I think a point better than his, uh, regular season career ERA in the playoffs. And the other is about, you know, one and a half points worse. So I'll let you guys, uh, try to figure out which that is. One of them also has multiple rings. The other has none. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, Anyway, uh, I'm glad we fit this in, Brendan. I didn't even plan on this, but I'm always glad we can fit in a little. Hey, why do you love John Lester? Uh, I'm happy to tell you. (laughs) Also, it's kind of weird to see Mark Pryor in that Dodger uniform. Like it's so I know, right, man? Like, ugh. Like, how did we get to this point? If you were his beard looks great too. Oh, the beard's fantastic. Yeah. If, if, If you were, if you were to tell me. Let's see, 2003, I was I was 11 years old when the Cubs blew that 2003 series, which, like, cemented my fandom probably. But if you were to tell me, like, hey, uh, Pryor's going to be in the World Series 15 years from now, never in my wildest dreams would I have guessed as a bullpen coach, right? Like that It kind of hurts me, but at the same time, like, seeing Pryor celebrate and be happy when they won the pen of the Dodgers, even though I hated that, so to speak, like... It was nice to see prior experience and happiness. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm just glad something good related to baseball happened. I mean, yeah, I mean, he was my favorite player. So, you know, obviously uh, I'm not unhappy to see him in that spot, but it just is so gross seeing him uh, 
in a Dodgers uniform and just like disgusting jumping around with those guys. It is just not. Yeah, it is just not something that uh, I'm super <laughs> into. And you know, it, it it again. You know, just going back to to the beard. I you know he would be what I think 38 right now. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, old. you know, you put a 38 year old Mark Pryor with that beard. You know, in a in this put him in this Cubs rotation, like at the back, the the another grizzled veteran. I'm all for it. Um, we won the World Series, so we, I think we can play around with some of these uh, hypothetical situations. They're not as filled with crippling sadness as they used to be when it's I used to think about <laughs> things like that. Me, though it's still like I still I can pull out the Sports Illustrated with Pryor and Wood on the cover holding that baseball with fire. Like you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen that before? Of course. Okay. Like I still have that. So there is a sense of sadness in me, even though they still won the World Series. Like, those were the guys who should yeah. have done it. Like, it's, ugh, I, like I think I've mentioned this before. It's it's like uh, Erlacher, Briggs, and Forte with the Bears. You just always have this feeling that you were supposed to experience winning with those guys. And I, yeah. I don't think uh, that that ever goes away. And, you know, Derek Lee, Ramos Ramirez in that group as well. So Yeah. But... We have to go forward, Brendan. Always and go forward. Uh, lucky for us, we can, you know, reminisce on players of the past as much as we want. But I am very content uh, getting ready for an off season and ultimately another major league season with the likes of Javi Baez, John Lester, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, and the gang that is yes. uh, our current Chicago Cubs. So. I think that uh, that was a good mix, little uh, luxury tax, numbers heavy in the beginning of this episode, and then, uh, you know, you get me ranting nonsensically about John Lester to kind of uh, bring, you know, a little brevity to the world on this uh, Sunday evening. But I think that's all we have for you. Uh, I would expect that perhaps we will uh, get back to... Maybe not two episodes every week, but you know, maybe not necessarily the once a week, just because this is going to kick into gear here uh, very soon. And if Scott Boris was not just trying to pull everybody's leg and you know, kind of freak everybody out for an afternoon, uh, it's it's possible <laughs> that this off season is not like last off season, and guys like Bryce Harper are not trying to wait around. Uh, until 2019 to know where they're going to be playing, get into their new homes, talk with their coaching staff, etc. It is possible that, you know, this kicks into gear right away. So uh, we will uh, obviously be here to break it all down. We'll have some more rumors to discuss. And so I think uh, you can look forward to some more frequent content. Once the World Series ends as well, we are going to spend a, a little bit of at least one episode, perhaps our next episode, uh, more than likely, looking back a, a little more in detail into the Cubs' regular season, um, it you know we've we've sort of been putting it off, waiting for that right moment. Uh, and I think once we're officially in the off season, you know, kind of kind of look back, uh, guys who impressed us, guys who disappointed us, uh, progressions, trends, etc., and you know, really kind of uh, get this this roster reviewed and ready to take on uh, whatever changes we are likely going to see in the coming weeks and months as the offseason begins in earnest. So again, as always, you can keep with us on social media. At CF Cubs Related is me on Twitter, at Cubs Related. On Twitter is Brendan, at Cubs Related is also the handle of our Instagram, though you will be speaking to me on that platform. You can also follow the Cubs Insider handle, which is also me, and sometimes the editor-in-chief, Evan Altman. It is very easy uh, to tell the difference between who is doing the tweeting, uh, but I'll leave that to you to figure out. Uh, but that is at Real Cubs Insider on Twitter and Instagram. And I think that'll do it for us uh, for this episode. Again, hopefully the Boston Red Sox have already celebrated a World Series championship uh, at disgusting, disgusting Dodger Stadium Ugh. at Chavez Ravine. And uh, you guys are listening to that this on Monday morning, knowing that that already happened. So I, I hope that that is the reality uh, I wake up in tomorrow. But again, we will uh, touch base with you guys again later this week and really get this off season 
kicked off. As always, we appreciate your support very much. Uh, The downloading, the listening, the feedback we get on social media, the five-star reviews and comments on iTunes, they are helpful to uh, just keep us getting some visibility. So as always, we appreciate that, especially as we go through this offseason. There's no Cubs baseball, uh, but knowing that so many of you guys still tune in to listen to us uh, is uh, really humbling and nice for us that, uh, you know, even when there is not Cubs baseball, you guys are still uh, willing to give us a platform to talk about the Chicago Cubs. So as always, we thank you for that. We will talk to you guys soon. This has been the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. And even if they are not playing, you know it's always what we're thinking about. Go Cubs.